Hey guys, welcome back to the 429 Podcast. I'm 9. I'm 4. I'm 2. And today we have a very special topic in mind for you guys. Today we'll be talking about something that's actually been going on news technically a lot recently uh, with Oculus and Facebook, but we're going to go a little bit more broad today and talk about VR in general. And it's essentially the future VR can have on us and our society as a whole. Damn. Right? Nice. So before we, you know, dive right into our headlong intense conversation of, of what VR can impact our society, we should probably talk to people, what is VR? Uh, what is the VR? Um, the VR. The v- so, if you know, guys don't know, VR stands for virtual reality, right? I thought Very it was going to be Vermin Riller. Vermin Riller is another common mistake that a lot of VR enthusiasts make, but no, it stands for virtual reality. And essentially, you're uh, it pushes you in a different world. That I don't know if you guys seen um, VR tropes they're in movies, they're in video games, they're done all over the time. Usually it's VR somewhere... tropes? What the hell's a trope? So, you don't know what a trope is? It's like, you know, no, I don't like know what a trope is. On it or something. It's just like a tangent, yeah. I guess. It's tangent. It's like a common re- repetitive thing that happens all the time, right? So, of course, like for VR, a big one is that, you know, it places you in a new world. Um, especially in like entertainment or movies, it, VR can teleport you to like a world that doesn't exist in reality, like mm-hmm. a fantasy world, a medieval world, right? And a lot of people attend to gaming, right? Like you can, you know, become a soldier in the VR uh, world, or you know, be uh, live out a lifestyle that you wouldn't have in, you know, in normal life. Like Darth so, Vader. Like Darth Vader. Like that. Darth Vader is a great example, actually. And so, like VR um, has always been kind of a promise or an avenue to like give you a, sort of like a uh, an escape, right? That's always been kind of the the VR. Uh, experience kind of give you an escape uh, across or outside your normal world. So, what do you what do you um so what do you guys think of VR? Like, you guys have any experience with VR? I love VR, man. So, my first experience with VR was actually probably nine. I think it was your Oculus like years ago, maybe like yeah. three or four years ago. Yeah. The wired rift. Yeah, the wired one exactly in your in your basement. I remember playing on that one. Uh, what were we playing? It was uh, that that robot game. Like the, oh, Robo Recall. Robo Recall. Yes. Yeah, that was the that one. That was a great game. That was it was it was a lot of fun. That was I think actually the first time I've ever been in virtual reality before, and I kind of always wanted to like have my own after my own uh, VR headset after I played in that. And then luckily. Uh, you know, I managed to get my hands on an Oculus Go, which was cool, but you know, it wasn't really full VR headset. Um, then eventually, I ended up with an Oculus Rift, and I mean, they're really cool. They're very dope. I got to tell you, like, first off, the technology has come a really far away in you know the span of only a couple of years, probably like you know four or five years, um, in terms of like the sensing and the sensors and like you know. There's even some like cool beta features and stuff now where you can use your hands instead of having to use controllers. They do hand tracking. Uh, it's high resolution cameras to like actually de- uh, determine where you are in your room. You can see if you're gonna hit stuff. So like VR has come a really really long way really quick. And I mean I think it's dope, right? So I I, I, I like to play a lot of Beat Saber. That's probably my favorite game on VR currently. <laughs> it's a great game. It is a lot of fun. Um, so I mean. You know, I know, especially like during quarantine and stuff, when you know you're not outside, don't want to go do stuff. Uh, I found myself playing a lot of Beat Saber because, like, I wanted to get up, I needed to like move a little bit, and you know, don't really want to go out too much, especially at the beginning of this whole thing. 
So I found myself, you know, trying to escape, just like you said, in VR. And, like, that was how I was getting up and kind of trying to stay active during the, the, the beginning of the quarantine. I mean, now I'm just lazy again, but at the beginning of the quarantine, I was <laughs> trying to stay active. But, I mean, they're really cool. And I'm pretty excited for where they're, you know, going, where they're coming. What do you think, uh, too? What are, what are your experiences? Yeah, so just like both of you, so, you know, we were fortunate enough to get a couple opportunities to win some of these uh, o- Oculus headsets and everything, right? And so we played around with it, and I've had same as 4 and 9, the Go and the Rift. The and I have to say, the Go, the Go was, I'm sorry? The Quest. Quest, the Quest, sorry, not the Rift. The Go and the Quest. And as I said, for the Go, I'll speak on the Go briefly, right? I only used that like once, maybe twice, right? Because they had some nice like mapping features and like seeing like like you were underwater or like on a roller coaster and stuff like that. So that was really cool, right? Um, but it was more of a like novelty trying to watch like Netflix with it or stuff like that. It wasn't really just a like a, a gaming type of thing, right? It was supposed to be like for like the consumer market. Are you so talking about really the Go? St- yeah, the Go. So it didn't really stick you know, too, too well with me, right? And then the Quest, on the other hand, right, which is basically a wireless rift is the way I see it, right, was um, really cool, right? I like the environment of it. I like how, like, you could play around with it. You know, just like 4 and 9, you know, I played my ton of Beat Saber, but uh, let me tell you, Robo Recall, I dominated in that game. That was, like, my, that was, like, my Call of Duty for the rift, uh, for the Oculus, right? So it was, like, that, that was really nice and all, but, you know, I say all of this with a caveat, right? So for those of you, obviously you guys don't see us face to face, but I wear glasses, right? And so one of the biggest things in the whole, um, one of the biggest things in the whole virtual reality sort of realm is like, how do you really work with people who wear glasses and don't wear glasses, right? And me personally, after like maybe 30 minutes or an hour in the VR world, like it really irritates like the hell out of my eyes right and so nine knows this a lot because i always go to him and complain after i'm done playing vr and Constantly it's like complaining. but it's like i'm not that big of a fan of actually gaming on a vr headset i think maybe once in a blue moon like maybe i'll pop out my quest and play it but in reality it's like it's not really for me personally i would i would much rather prefer playing like on a console or on a pc playing video games or even just doing everything else in the real world and not the virtual world. But that's just me personally. Mm-hmm. I know we have friends who, once quarantine started, one actually lived in VR. And, like, I mean, he woke up, put the VR headset on, did his whole life in the VR headset, and then went back to sleep, and all he did was just take off the VR headset. Yeah, that's nuts, right? man. So, like, we had, we've had friends who did that, and we're all just mind-blown by that. It's like, personally, I like the real world but that's just me <laughs> yeah so that's that's a really good uh, uh i see from you guys my uh, experiences that like vr has pretty much been a tribute to pretty much gaming uh, to mm-hmm. one-on-one right so that's been pretty much and let, let's keep it in that scope for now like because that's pretty much uh the primary avenue that vr has started with or i should say mainstream vr has started with uh lately and gone with like the the potential and the experience of vr gaming right you have companies like Oculus and companies like Valve, big frontrunners on the VR gaming headset with their with their products, such as like we mentioned, Oculus Quest, Oculus uh, Rift, and of course you have uh, Valve's Index headset, 
you know, these are pretty much forerunners in the VR technology right now, and they're constantly trying to innovate and outperform the other person, you know, with uh, indexes, unique, vast of features that basically uh, zero wireless, uh, individual finger detection technology, you know, insane stuff, but it costs thousands of dollars. And you have Quest, uh, who's going like kind of the low end, middle end of a consumer range, you know, so offer good features, but like give it at a more affordable cost, right? And and it makes sense in the gaming world to offer VR. It's just another way to play your video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, gaming itself has always been trying to find new avenues to enhance the experience. And escape right? on top yeah. of that, right? Yeah. yeah. But like on top of that, besides gaming, right? So I don't want to just stick straight to gaming. There's been so many other use cases of VR. Some nice, some not so nice right um i won't go into mentioning the not so nice but if you guys have access to a computer you guys can pretty much google what vr was originally intended for um but you know some of the nice benefits have come you know from i would say google was probably the pioneer of this one with the google box right where they really started teaching through virtual reality so they actually gave now google box is actually a very cheap um, I would say way of getting virtual reality. It's really just attaching a phone to like a, like a cardboard box kind of headset and you put it on and you're now in this like virtual reality world. And most of the Google box users were using it for teaching purposes. So you had like teachers actually teach through virtual reality, like 100%. math, English, you know, and other concepts. And this was really put in places around the world where, access to a classroom or access to school subjects was not really, mm-hmm. you know, accessible at that point in time. So you're thinking of like villages in, you know, India and Africa, right? Where it wasn't as accessible, but it's really made a difference in those kids' lives because they actually got to see, you know, what a classroom is like and how they actually get to learn and immerse themselves in a, in a teaching experience rather than in a just plain experience, right? 100%. I think that's important to distinguish that like a lot of people contribute VR to gaming but like vr has a lot of potential and benefits outside of gaming itself like education i think is like a big one education is a really big one and you know i think another really big area too is um possibly in the medical industry so for example you know think about doctors being able to go in virtual reality to train and learn how to perform surgeries on like you know virtual patients inside of like you know almost like a game simulator right yeah, 100%. Um, something, something like Surgeon Simulator, except like actually realistic, right? I mean, these are this would really really help young doctors learn how to perform surgeries well without having to ever put real humans at risk, right? So, I mean, that's another really really cool area of it. Um, and I like that you bring up virtual reality when it comes to education, also because, I mean, especially now, once again during this pandemic, I know we bring that up every episode, but like that's been our life for the past four or five months so i mean i guess it's it's always wow get brought five up. months damn so <laughs> but it's probably mean, not five more months you know think think about how easy the transition back to school could have been if like every student had their own vr headset and 360 degree cameras were set up in classrooms right like it'd be insane like it wouldn't be like you're even like left school i mean yeah. like of course there'd be some caveats to changes right mm-hmm. you're not going to be the same experience right you can't just like annoy your friend across the room next to be like hey hey what you get for a b honestly uh, i would prefer that if they like when schools did reopen right that they all just did like 
if they could have um, remote learning, like from home, yeah. because let's be real, like it's kind of it's gonna be really awkward when you gotta go to the bathroom or something with your virtual reality headset because it's like, all right, so you take it off, great. Now the teacher knows you're not paying attention because hey, 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 I mean, headset's like, off. I mean, think about this way. I mean, you can't just go to the bathroom with a nail if you're in the classroom physically, right? You gotta ask, right? So I guess some that teachers would like that, you yeah. know? It actually. It actually atones that like students are paying attention on just you know going oh, yeah. to Zoom on the and you... on, on the teacher's perspective, I think it's gonna be great. On the student's perspective, I think they would hate it. Well, but... okay, we'll put it this way: like you know, let's say that I have a little post-it note to cover up the sensor to notify I'm actually wearing my VR headset or not before it auto shuts off. Let's be real, for you. Let's be real, for you. Out of all people, would skip class and then on your VR headset just go play Beat Saber. Dude, that's actually so true. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would, I would program Beat Saber into that application for the school, so I could play within the school. That's what I would do. But yeah, like, it's... there's a lot of like, uh, you know, huge benefits to education. I mean, like, even just, I uh, just outside of classrooms, like, just once again with the training benefit, right? Think about how many training possibilities you can have with VR outside of even medical or education, military training, or even like, yeah. uh, what's it called? Uh, like dangerous circumstances where you have to like train for specific jobs that it's easier to train in a VR than it would be in the field. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Like there's examples all over the place. So NASA uses VR for their astronauts. To 100%. See, let them, mm-hmm. see, let them scope it out their environments and everything, you know, for already brought up the medical industry, but as he was talking about the medical industry, another industry that hit me was, the aeronautics industry, right? So flight simulators and everything. Mm -hmm. Flight simulators, for those of you who don't know, are super expensive. Just getting like a whole flight simulator set up, like even in your own personal home or whatever, could be anywhere between like three to maybe $10,000, right? Depending on how crazy you want to go with your flight simulator, right? Mm -hmm. And even those, those flight simulators are targeted to like specific types of planes. Whereas like in virtual reality, you can go get an Oculus Quest for like maybe 200 or 300 it retails for, right? Mm -hmm. And like, pop on that headset and get the basics of flight simulation down pat before yep. you move on to those more complex systems, right? True. Because like we said, those systems are expensive. So if you go break one of those systems, that air training company, whether you're working with any of the major airlines, is out a chunk of change. Whereas with an Oculus Quest, they could just easily replace one of those and keep going. Oh, yeah. But I like the point you brought up about education, right? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, I think we're seeing more widespread adoption of this. So I can give you a perfectly actually like close to home example. So I work with a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for privacy purposes, I won't state the nonprofit or anything along those lines. But we were, we recently had a meeting. And in the meeting, the senior, um, the senior, I guess you could say like chairman of the nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? Brought up a very interesting point, right? He, he brought up the point that we're heading towards, you know, based off how this whole pandemic is, you know, he kept referencing the movie Ready Player One, which yeah. if you guys haven't seen it, it's a whole virtual reality type of I'll have movie. a great story about that. Right? But the point he brought up is that, you know, with the teaching that this nonprofit did remotely this past summer, they can easily escalate it and elevate it to a level with virtual reality. So it's like, so unfortunately, this nonprofit that I work with couldn't hold their camps in person this year, like many other summer camps, right? But what they did was they transitioned online, but they had a, they transitioned online. But again, you you still face the same problems the school system faces, right? Mm-hmm. People not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't get as high of a sign up rate also just because like, 
people had a bad feeling. It's like, oh, I just spent six months at home on a Zoom video call, so I really want to spend another month on a Zoom video call for this nonprofit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But when you bring in the element of virtual reality, right, he brought up a very good point, and that's something that never even hit me, was like, you can really elevate teaching mechanisms with this nonprofit to a whole other level. You could really have all these students back in a lecture hall at, you know, this university and just go, whoa, like we see everyone in reality. You could see, like you'd be able to see, like I'm really into holograms. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really into like holograms and stuff. So seeing like a hologram of like your teacher, teacher, teacher or professor or whatever, walking across the stage in your virtual reality realm and seeing all that occur would be just really cool because it really immerses you in that experience. Yeah. Right. And it gives you that experience from the comfort of your home, right? But at the same time, you're getting it's again, it's a virtual reality experience, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm glad also you brought up uh, NASA earlier because NASA was actually one of the few uh, early people to actually basically a pioneer the VR technology as we know today. Like, uh, like not even kidding. Like, they're I never heard. I don't think you ever heard of their their view system, which stands mm-hmm. for virtual interface. Uh, what's it called? Environmental workstation. Right, mm-hmm. that whole system they invented back in the 1980s is basically our modern VR headsets today. <laughs> it's basically a head-mounted device with gloves that enable haptic interaction with uh, with digital elements. That's pretty much like word to word what a VR headset is today. So this what is like you're saying is we haven't made any progress since 1980. Okay, got it. Well, I mean, if you look at it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen it, but that's a that was a chunky boy. They basically like slapped on a TV to that guy's ears, put on some <laughs> digital gloves, and said, and then the guy touched shapes. He's it's like, probably like 144p. Oh, 144p. You're talking <laughs> about maybe if he's lucky, five frames per second. We have I mean, what improved. But what did you guys think the first laptop was? The first laptop was literally a computer tower strapped to your back. With a monitor in front of you and a keyboard attached to your stomach. Don't forget about the car like, battery. <laughs> but 100%, oh, like, yeah. these, these technologies go way back. Like, VR, a lot of people tell them VR is, like, something kind of, like, relatively new. Well, in some aspects, the modern VR, it is. But the technology and, and the just even the aspect of VR has been back since, you can even say, by the 1930s, where they had the old stereoscopes, where they used mirrors to basically project one image to, like, fool you into it being right in front of you and stuff like that. Or the Viewmaster, which was like the whole like wheel thing you mm-hmm. click and you view is like, oh, I'm in, I'm in Africa. Oh, I'm in the uh, the, the safari. That was the first thing I did with the Go. Let me tell you. Yeah, those are the same basically uh, principles, just upscale with the latest technology and haptic feedback and and uh, what's it called VR controllers. You're talking about the same thing. So the principles of VR has gone way back, but we're now getting to the point where one, it's basically like truly digital. And two, it, it's getting to the mainstream audience. Like mm-hmm. VR is just like a, a niche thing that pop like you know for only a, t- a few uh, basically enthusiasts can uh, you know afford. Now you're getting like basically you can get headsets for like a hundred, two hundred dollars easily. You know, they're, I mean, they're if not... you go with like the Google Box, the Google Box starts at thirty-five. Google Box is cardboard, man. I just go outside, get an Amazon package, cut it up into a certain <laughs> shapes, and boom, that's it. That's that's my Google cardboard right there. And I mean, like. And the fact that you can have you basically own a device already in your pocket that can basically attribute to some VR experience right away at the moment, you most people already have these smartphones that can basically emit VR uh, experiences already. Abilities, like, yeah. 
yeah, like we're we're basically getting to the point where VR is going to basically become a mainstay in your household uh, appliance. It's going to be like the same thing as a as a smartphone is to everyone to a TV. It's going to be something that's just in everyone's household, yeah. and no one's even bad two eyes about it. Well, it's not going to be in my household. I'll tell you that much. We'll maybe, see. Maybe, we'll see. maybe it's just me, but I feel like a lot of people I know already have VR headsets everywhere. So, oh, hundred percent. Well, yeah, remember we're 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 a little like biased. In we're in the nerd community. Yeah, we're a little biased <laughs> in, that, in that area where we have like a lot of what I call like uh, technology prone uh, friends. You know, people who are getting the most emerging technologies. The and most we use it for stuff. and like and we like ourselves that it's for work or some other. I mean, to be honest, we did use it for R&D purposes. So I'll give you an example. I don't know if you guys remember when we did a couple of these, right? Back when we took software development together, right? Mm -hmm. We built that program for virtual reality, right? Yeah. And that's when, And that's when I think we all learned right then and there, like, how difficult it is to actually build oh. great, compelling apps for these systems. Because you're no longer on a flat surface, right? Flat surface programming is a lot easier than yeah, two this, than this, three, mm -hmm. than this three dimensional programming because the problem here is, and we all went to a talk to discuss this and actually get you know advice from experts who work at Oculus, which is owned by Facebook, and it's currently I would say the leader in virtual reality development, right? Mm -hmm. Getting quality photos and getting the right angles and getting 360 panoramic views of each of the rooms is so 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 difficult like i remember i think it was one of the oculus chief developers saying that hey like it takes us like a solid hour just to get the photo right because you have to remember like if you saw their camera oh god man like just setting up that thing looks like it took 45 minutes then they're going all the way around to take the photo and even if you have the lighting off in even one small corner of that photo they gotta start the whole process again Right, just, just because you can't stitch those photos together, and yeah. that's the most difficult, crucial element here is that it's so hard to stitch together good quality photos of all the things. And to make matters worse, when you talk about things like maps or traffic or just, you know, how we discuss like, oh, I want to be in the sub-Saharan Africa or whatever, right? Yeah. All of those photos need to be retaken again and again and again because you have to remember these things are changing. Right, that's why you guys still see the Google Maps car still go around everywhere, right? It's they just the keep changing. changing, they keep evolving, and it's so hard to keep up with the development of these life cycles, right? 100%. And that's why personally, virtual reality, I will. It's gonna be tough for me to go back to those things again. Let me tell you, it's it's so hard to develop. And don't get me wrong, I love a challenge, but at the end of the day, I never saw the key benefit for that vr experience mm -hmm. i don't know maybe you guys can chime in like when you guys were developing those virtual reality apps you know with me what did you guys feel was your net benefit besides the actual learning experience for these apps well i can say from from a ui and like ux kind of like engineer right um the one huge benefit right away i can think of is just it's a whole new way to immerse your users instantly like you're talking about a whole new avenue to immerse clients and users in, in an insane way in any field right entertainment education gaming medical you're talking about a whole potential way to really bring your clients into a whole new experience that they wouldn't be able to get in, in another format right and that's that's pretty much just the biggest benefit right away with vr in general 
you can essentially have like uh for example um uh, what's it called for like traveling like you can set up uh traveling locations previews for your clients and have them check it out go through these landmarks and see oh how they like it or, or what kind of like culture they will have or even stuff like uh uh, what's it called? House marketing or, or real estate, right? You can check out houses easily. Like That's what I was building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like the, these, the, this is, I think, one of the greatest benefits when when thinking about this developing any VR application, right? It's just an, a, a huge, insane, immersive way to to basically bring to your clients, right? Like it wouldn't be the same if I if I was like again with the real estate example. If I gave you a bunch of pictures, right? That's fine. You'll get the same gist, but it wouldn't feel the same impact as I were to like, hey, here's a VR uh, tour of the house. You can really get to the nitty gritty of the details of what these rooms are, what their scale is. I'll tell you the biggest challenge when I was developing that application, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It goes back to those 360 degree photos. You can't get good quality 360 degree photos with your cell phone. No, no matter how thing, far, well, that's why there's special cameras for those. And that's, that's why they're hundreds of dollars. Exactly. Yeah, well, so well that's, that's the thing. There's there's still a cost to all this. You know, it's not it's not as any mainstream as it should be right now. But you know, that thing can change easily over time. Yeah. Right. But I think what we've noticed from the VR experience, right, <laughs> has been the integration of these on the flat surfaces. So, for example, right, our cell phones or our computers, right? You go into maps, whether it's Apple or Google Maps, whatever maps you go into, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have the look around feature where yeah. you can actually look around in 360 panoramic views of the neighborhood or anything around you. And even if you go to websites like how we just mentioned real estate, right? Yeah. Like if you go to places like Zillow, Zillow has some 360 degree views that you can see, right? Yes, they may not be onboarded onto a virtual reality headset. The question's debatable. What did they not do it because of they didn't they didn't see a benefit to it, or did they not do it because majority of the consumer base doesn't own one, right? So we don't we don't know the answer to that one right now. But what we've seen is the elements of virtual reality actually come yeah. online, right? And that's what I think has been the most interesting change over the last I would say five years is that more and more products and more and more services are adapting the virtual reality protocol of showing, you know, 360 panoramic views of things uh, rather than just the usual old flat surface pictures we've seen. I don't know. Four, what are your thoughts? You know, I can definitely see what you're saying where a lot of companies are now offering that kind of like on a 2D screen, but kind of VR-like experience. And I mean, this kind of, I think this just goes into a lot of what Nine was saying where it's another way for uh, companies and developers to kind of give their clients a new experience, right? Like for a long time on the internet and in magazines and, and newspapers, even before the internet, everything was purely 2D, right? And it's really only recently, within like the last five to 10 years, that we're starting to see like 3D capabilities, right? Like for example, you've got, you know, even on your phone, you go to YouTube, sometimes you have 360 videos, you know, without a VR headset, you can still swipe around, turn around, look, right? I think this brings us into another really cool topic of, I'm sorry, augmented reality, right? Where now you're not talking about fully virtual, but you're talking about using the existing world around you and kind of adding to it, making it better, or make adding features to real life, right? Um, and we have a couple examples of that. To be honest, I don't think it's been growing as fast as VR has, virtual reality. I think VR is definitely 
easier, maybe I would say. I don't know if easier, but easier is the right thing to say. But it's definitely been growing faster. Uh, but you've got things like the the Microsoft HoloLens, which once again comes yes. at a hefty price point and is still Yo. pretty clunky for an augmented reality headset. Um, and then, you know, for a long time, you had the promised Google Glass, which uh, never actually <laughs> happened. But, I mean, if they would have pursued that or if they ever decided to pick it back up, I mean, that could be really cool because that would have been a really big piece of augmented reality meant to be used in everyday life. Um, so, I mean, personally... Side note, I still believe the Glass was just not brought in the right timing. Like, I think yeah. if you were to release something like the Google Glass now... Yep. Oh, dude, it would take off. No oh, problem. Yeah. Well, there's rumors that Apple's the one going to do it. You know, they could. All right, so let's get... They could. Let's get into it. Let's actually talk about some of these rumors. Nine, why don't you take the uh, lead on that? Well, I see. To pour fire in the frame, this is literally just today. But Apple literally just bought a VR startup. Um, today? Yeah, this is like today or yesterday. They literally bought a VR startup. Interesting. Um, so it's a it, it literally the article headlines like, is it going to finally turn VR from geek to click? So like kind of mainstream. You mean uh, cheek, whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, like that's a like you said. Like I really think Google Glasses was a really good idea, just in a really bad time. It was about right? five like, years too early, I think. Five years later, when did it come out? 2010, right? I think that's when it started Something basically like that, coming yeah. out. They're talking about like t- almost basically 10 years ago. Like that's that's insane. They wanna no one even thought about VR AR at that time. No. And Google's coming out being like, you know what? We're giving it out. We're gonna prototype test it. And we're gonna launch as a full product. Oops, that's a lot of work. We didn't realize how much it is. <laughs> Right, but now you're talking about companies that didn't even think about VR, dabbling their teeth in VR. Like real estate is a really good example. We keep bringing back, but like no one has thought like five years ago, hey, let's let's start giving house tours in VR. Um, what's it called? Travel agencies. Uh, what's it called? Uh, even movies are even thinking about doing like VR movie theater showings and stuff like that. You're talking about uh, companies that didn't even want to even touch the VR environment are now considering nope. even dabbling or putting even part of their company experience and there's also one extra piece i i forgot to mention before when i was going over the medical usage uh, medical usage for vr um think about people who are paralyzed terminally ill can't go out can't do things right need an escape vr is perfect for those types of people right it gives them the opportunity to escape that kind of like bleak life that they're living if they're really stuck like that right so we're all living very bleak lives right now so I mean, it, it gives a really cool opportunity for people who otherwise would never be able to have those opportunities, right? You know, picture even if you're older and you just, you're too weak to get up, you can't walk, you can't do things, right? Well, guess what? Going to VR, you can do whatever you want to do. So, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's it. got some other health implications for people who otherwise would kind of be very, I would say, maybe depressed or unhappy not being able to do anything. Or, or, yeah, or so mental, mental. yeah. Or, you're you're taking the angle from like a mental health perspective, which is super crucial because yeah. like, you know, as people get older, as people get more frail, you know, it's hard for them to go and see their families who may or may, who may live overseas, right? Yep. 100%. So bringing virtual reality to those, you know, old people so that they could see their sons, nephews, granddaughters, ne- nieces, n- nephews, whatever, right? That live overseas and bring them, I guess, in the room with them. Yep. Right? It's different when you see them over a video chat call, right? When, than when you see them like literally in the room with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah right. Sure. That would be that's really interesting. I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, Facebook uh, dabbled and even introduced the idea of like VR memories, 
right? It basically yeah. take take a bunch, some of your photos, stitch them up to like a VR hub world, right? And you can basically relive a lot of your uh, memories in uh, like VR and uh, VR experience. Like talk about living some of your best memories through photos and videos that you've collected over the years in a whole new immersive way. Like seeing like like basically like your your 18th birthday again or basically your graduation all over again and just seeing it with your own eyes in a huge immersive or way being like in these, the same room as a loved one who might have passed on right like that's another exactly. really good one like vr can offer a lot of potential avenues outside of just gaming like it, the benefits are extremely uh, insane once you start applying it to different fields or even applying it to mental health in general like it can really help a lot or change a lot of people's lives in general you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i know but, uh, uh, i know we briefly touched on this right um when yeah. my, when, uh, nine or two rather talked about ready player one um but how far away do you guys think we are from full dive virtual reality i'm talking like ready dive. player one you know i'm talking like sword art online like you know you put on a headset and you are completely virtualized you can see taste touch smell Bam! Everything. Slap, punch, die. Ah, okay. Die okay. When you start, when you start bringing in the senses, you know that's when my answer, my answer actually just completely changed when you started saying the five senses, right? Because seeing, I think, at the first sense that Smell they focused on sight, right? Yep. Yeah. I think the sight aspect got the that side. they focused on, we got sight pretty good. They've there. nailed it. Yeah. I think, I think Oculus, I think. You know, well, I've only, I'm only familiar with Oculus. See, I'm, so Oculus, I'm not talking think, about I'm not talking about putting a screen in front of your face. I'm talking about something more along the lines of like visual prosthe- uh, prosthesis. Hmm. I would say Oculus is still far more advanced than we think, right? And I think the only limitation Oculus has right now is that we know that the human eye can see in so many so many different colors you know apple yeah. i think is the best company on this because apple studies a lot of this and that's how they incorporate it into their really high-end yep. computer screens and their retina displays right so i think oculus is getting there but i think apple definitely has a ledge on you know merging reality and vert and virtual yeah right based off the screen designations audio i think audio has always been fine i think audio arguably I think, was the easiest because yeah. You see some really nice speakers coming out from the side of the headset, and it's pretty good, right? Now you get into the more interesting ones. Smell, sight. I'm sorry, smell and taste, right? And now feel. How can you really adjust that? Now, you brought up the point with, you know, you could get rid of the controllers, but really that's all you really have, right, in virtual reality is those weird circular controllers that well, actually, has, right? I don't know if you guys have ever seen these like full on like VR uh, like mounts like there's mm-hmm. these uh, VR uh, essentially like it's like a VR treadmill like it's like a, yep. a hexagonal treadmill right and it, it straps you on right from an overhead uh, anchor right and as you run with your feet the platform moves in the direction of your feet mm-hmm. but like, I think but- this was more to the point of like for saying this like in your home, right? How can you have it? Like, well, I mean, like, like well, it just—it's it, not a that big of a of a like. <laughs> like let me uh, let me let me give you guys a a brief description of how it would probably have to work, right? So I know you're saying that like, oh, you know, audio is good enough, visual is good enough, right? Um, but sight, but like so, the point you brought up, taste, smell, and feel. 
we're still a very, here's, very long here's, way of here's, getting there. Here's, here's where, here's where I think, I think this would have to go, right? So you would, you would have to, you would have to tap into the human nervous system to do this stuff properly, right? Because at the end of the day, what are like your, your senses, right? They're just impulses from your nervous system, sending data in the form of an electrical signal through your freaking neurons, you know, and then eventually, I guess they're converted back and forth between the synapses for to chemical signals, but eventually they're getting back to your brain, at which point your brain makes you feel those things or makes you like have those senses and those experiences. So, and believe it or not, I personally think that the harder part, right, even harder than, you know, being able to kind of tap into the human nervous system and kind of like artificially create senses and artificially create experiences, the harder part and a lot of people don't think about this, is the technological limitations of modern computers, right? So think about this. Currently, video games have a hard time and require a very expensive graphics cards, processors, and just computing equipment to play games at 4K, right? But yeah. think about what the human eye sees, sees at right now. You know, you're talking about way higher than 4K. You're talking about probably at least 120 fps i would assume maybe higher maybe closer to 240 right maybe even higher than that so i mean you're talking about you need extremely high refresh rate on that computer to be able to feed that into the human body right even if you, let's say you've perfected the biometric uh, the bio the bioengineering part of it right you need insane computing equipment to even think about feeding you know real 360 degree you know 16k 300 FPS visual uh, visuals back into the human body before you even considered smell, taste, touch, sense, uh, I'm sorry, audio, right? Like sound. Now you've got to take into account every one of those senses and the raw amount of data that needs to be transmit and downloaded and processed and sent back up. Plus the latency problems if you're at an online game, right? Think about all of these compute problems outside of your biomedical um engineering applications that you'd have to have so even if right now today we had perfected the method of interacting with the human nervous system artificially even even if we perfected that right now in 2020 we still wouldn't be able to have full dive virtual reality like i'm talking about in terms of purely prosthesis and like artificially um creating those senses simply because we don't have the compute power at least not available in the consumer realm for sure without having some type of $100 million supercomputer to actually provide those inputs uh, to people. Nor do I think we have the, the networking capability to provide the latency needed to kind of work in a world like that. So Can, you, can we talk about the ethics of that for a second? Like actually connecting... What do you mean? What's wrong with that? I just jam a needle. Body? I just jam a needle in your back of your head. Boom, you're a VR. What's, what you, what's the ethics? What's the I don't... With that? Yeah, like... See, what do you mean? Like you don't that. like needles in your brain? No, I don't, personally. Mm-hmm. But... You know, something like that scares the living hell out of me, man. Because it's like, that's not, oh, like, as I'm Ethic? my head, ethical? Yeah, not, even <laughs> eth- not even ethical. It could be ethical, could not be ethical. You know, that's your own personal moral choices there, right? Obviously, we don't, have to get into, we don't have to get into the whole philosophy of that aspect. But it's kind of like, not, it's invasive, I would say, right? It's definitely an invasive procedure. But it's sort of, you know, messing with the human body on a level never before seen. And I guess... I mean, we do that already where, in some aspects. Where does where does it really just like end? End? Will you have like virtual reality like murders in the future? 
Like I mean, that, that's the dystopia will. question. That's the dystopia question of, for, of this probably this uh this millennia. Well, like I mean, if, if I'm playing Robo Recall, right? Like, and I'm feeling the shots on my chest or back or wherever they're shooting well, me from, right? It's like, am I gonna die? Am I gonna really see, die? You don't, at the end you, don't, of the game? you don't you don't have <laughs> to feel them, right? The whole the whole point would be you'd be able to artificially <clears throat> create those senses. So, for example, if you didn't if you just didn't artificially create the actual pain for a gunshot wound. You would never feel that, right? And obviously, these are things that require a lot of perfection and fine tuning, and they probably require hard level, um, I'm sorry, hardware you get level. Get a ton of security on this but, thing. Let me tell you. Oh well, of course you do. Well, I mean, you need a ton of security on everything, but this in particular, you're totally right. But I do think we... that the actual positives you have to gain from something like this is, I think, out greatly outweighs the, the possible negatives. Hundred percent. I, I think it'd be a huge. Uh, experience, but I also think it can bring a whole lot of problems because you're opening an avenue, uh, basically a uh, biometric doorway to a huge load of issues if but something goes about, wrong. Yeah, your biometric data will be stolen. I'm trying to figure that out, but think about like what a hacker can do, right? Like a hacker could literally. Well, that's right, you're man. Talking, you're, we're really talking to the science fiction point of like mind control, man. Like mm -hmm. we're we're getting to that point where it's like. All right, you have like this chip embedded inside of your neck or brain or whatever for virtual reality purposes. And now you're in like this mind control state, right? Now you're just being mind controlled by a hacker at will or, or whatever. Or Facebook sending you ads directly to your brain. Like, it's, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, like, it's a wow. Wow. Well, let's think well, about this a little more, right? Let's think I'm about a, this. I'm a... um, you've got, for example, let's, let's look at Sorter Online as like your kind of baseline, right? So, if you guys don't know, like, the, the basis of, of this, it's a, essentially it's an anime where they're in the future and um, full-dive virtual reality is a thing. And they use it mostly for video games. Um, and this group of people enter this video game and the video game developer disables the logout button so you can't exit the game and takes advantage of the hardware that reads your brain signals to make it so that way if you die in the game... It essentially it essentially fries your brain and you get killed in real life, right? So that's what that, that's what happens in this game. Now, ethical, of course, of course, those are yeah, huge ethical no. problems. And these are these it's it's actually a real life situation that could happen depending on the technology required to kind of interact with your brain. But at the same time, one, it's not like it was in in that game. This is kind of how I picture like full dive virtual reality actually working. It wasn't an implant, right? They weren't accessing like memories and stuff, um, although I don't know if they'd be able to or what would happen, but it was simply used to insert senses via your kind of like, like I said, your your your, uh, your neural receptors and to read senses from your neural receptors. Now, I'm not a you know doctor. I don't work with biomedical. Uh, I don't work in the field of biomedical engineering, but I don't know if it would be possible to do things like read memories, insert memories, actually like... I hope not. Actually like like kind of mind well, control someone just from the same sensors that control like their movement you know, and give them like se well, senses. Well, too, you say that, right? But Elon Musk is about to introduce a basically a new implant basically lets you stream music to your yeah, brain this yeah, Friday. He announced that today with Neuralink. I saw his other yes. startup. Yeah, Elon so Musk, this could be no runs so many startups that like you lose track. Like, yeah. But Neuralink is one of the AI human brain types. Yeah, which basically he's he's introducing that basically is going to be an implant that he allows you to stream music directly to your brain. 
Exactly. Look, I am not doing any implants. I want technology. Like the only technology I want on me is my cell phone that I could throw away from me at any point in time. I do not want any. And this is coming from an engineer who builds technology. I don't want any technology on me in but my it person. Ju- it just shows that if it is, if this is in fact true, when the product he will introduce this Friday is, you know, tangible and real, we're a lot closer to the technology that we're proposing right now than we think. All right, nine. Uh, we are nine. How about this? Ready? Uh, you go ahead and you get the Neuralink implant. I'll get the chloroform. You know how it goes. I'll get the chloroform and we'll surprise two for his birthday next year. Got it. hundred percent. You get the colon for make sure it's on sale. I'll get the neural link and you know, I have a big old birthday bash where he wakes up in a virtual reality home streaming Spotify. Yeah, I don't even have a Spotify account. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll we'll make that one for you. We'll make that one for you. hundred percent. Don't worry. All things will be taken care of. But like That's the worst revenge. That's the worst revenge. Put someone on like put me on like Apple Music or something where I don't have a subscription. So on top of that, I got the implant, but I can't even use it because I don't got the subscription for it. That's how it is, man. But it just shows like the 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 questions we're asking isn't as far out or as uh uh, drastic as people may think. Like, oh, that's at least fifty or sixty years, maybe a hundred years from now. Now, this brings me back to like, I don't know if you guys ever watched Shark Tank, right? But this brings me back to the early days of Shark Tank where you had this dude who came on and pitched like this product. But the essential gist of the product was that people would have to get Bluetooth devices embedded at like the back of their ear. And like, that's how you were able to control everything. And it was like, first, we know how obsolete technology gets. Every two years, people are getting new cell phones, right? So it's like, how are you how the hell is that even gonna work and this brings up that a similar question i had there it's like your brain's outdated <laughs> yeah basically like you're gonna get outdated right it brings up i don't know there's this movie with um idris elba right i think it was with the rock and idris elba fast and furious uh, hobbs and shaw right mm-hmm. nope, didn't see that one. where idris elba was like the superhuman like robot computer thing right like, but he was, he was still a human. He was saved by like a chip that he had in the back of his neck. But the people that were controlling him were like, nah, we don't need you anymore. And they had a countdown timer to his death to where he just blew up. Right. Oh, nice. Who programmed that one? in? <laughs> right. But it's like, it brings up all these moral and ethical questions. Like, is this like, I, I know we're not far away from it. I can definitely agree with you guys on that statement, but is it the right approach is this are we going to head towards like a, a dystopian type future like with ready player one or are we heading towards more of a like i don't i don't i mean i think me and four have talked about this before but we we are, are i don't know if you can you want to disagree with me that's not for but we have thought that the world is probably going to head to a dystopia type world where pre populations and cities will be essentially overcrowded um the the luxuries that we take advantage of today just as free space um, you know, like open air, nature, you know, normal luxuries will be a thing of the past in this future. And honestly, we think that probably VR is going to be one of the many passive, um, basically, uh, time savers or like uh, basically uh, enjoyments, entertainments in the future where that's you basically put yourself in a better world, a better earth where everything's not as dystopia. Like, you know, you well, why not just make this earth better so you don't have to escape reality? Because this Earth can never be as good as a customizable <laughs> virtual world, no matter what you all, want to do. All authors of dystopia world novels. Damn it, we didn't think of that. Oh, <laughs> they're all like, "Well, shit." I guess you could have picked up that piece of plastic you saw on the beach, but like, I'm not, so I'm not saying I don't like this world, and I don't want to make it better. 
But, I mean, when I you've got I, full creative control over a virtual world, like, come on, you can make whatever you want. Like, I, 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 th I think I think the question isn't that we don't, we, 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 we clearly do not want a dystopia world. I mean, the, the name itself implies something sinister, something bad. But I think the problem is that we, just like we don't want, um, just like we want, like, poverty to be solved or world hunger to be ended. It's just those things that, like, are, are going to happen, you know? This is like, you know, just like we don't want to die, death comes. And I think, unfortunately, the way the world's trending right now is that we're heading towards a very dystopia-type kind of situation. I mean, I don't want to pay taxes, but, like, there they are out of every paycheck. Come on. <laughs> they, they just show up. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a type of question of not, not if we want it, it's just when. I think that's, unfortunately, the, the circumstance. And so let's answer that question. Plus or minus, when? Let's start. Nine, you. First, what do you when think? I think a dystopia type of world is going to appear or be an everyday household, I don't think it's going to be our generation. Going to be, I think it's going to appear a lot in the next generation, and I think it's going to be pretty standard in by two or three generations later. All right, four. I think it depends purely on how fast the population of the Earth continues to rise. Um, I think how fast you think the population of Earth is going to rise. I mean, let's say what are we like eight billion people right now, or seven billion people, something like that. I mean, yeah. Sure. Maybe, maybe figure if we've got, I mean, maybe if, if we're, if we reach anywhere near like 20 billion people, like you could probably assume that the earth is going to be overcrowded, packed and dystopian. Okay. I'm going to go buy a cabin in Iceland. <laughs> well, too late. Iceland will be too late. Yeah, Iceland, Iceland sank. I, no, Iceland sank. No, Iceland? Iceland sank. It sank to the bottom of the ocean. To the bottom of the ocean. Turns out it was actually made of ice. Who knew? <laughs> well, that's Little. what I'm saying. That's just how. But I mean, like, once again, it, VR could play a good role in that. Maybe you know, just because the world. It would sucks. increase the quality of everyone else of everyone's life, realistically. You know, like imagine yeah. if you just needed your little your little cabin, and uh, and like a magic pill that would eventually exist that would just give you all the nutrients you need in a day. You wake up, take your magic pill. Go into VR, bam, problem solved. I don't know. I know it also sounds very pessimistic of us of being like, well, why don't we just make the world better, like two said, or why don't we just improve, you know, human interaction? But this also goes back to like any technology you use, you think about, right? Why don't you know every language in the world? Why don't you why don't you uh, improve your your regular relationships instead of having Facebook relationships, you know? These, these these are all things that we can all do but people don't do or take the time to do it because yep. it's hard it's these are these are life-changing skills that can take years or ever to master and technology mm -hmm. is just a middle ground or midware to basically fill, fulfill it or narrow the gap so like man this podcast took a dark turn but let's, um... let's, let's really back in let's let's go back to now right? To the world where the, the world isn't so dystopia like and things can change this why is the present why don't you talk to us about oculus and their new name nine come on or at least their research name. <laughs> all right well, they, they changed their name or at least they changed one of the research labs to facebook reality lab. you know so that's huge like i guess nine is deeply offended by this i i <laughs> i think it's a very horrible choice in my opinion it's given even the second feed the initial feedback they're getting with the whole controversy of Facebook accounts now necessary and the whole Oculus setup, you know, you can clearly see that people ain't happy about that. And now the fact that you're literally rubbing the, the Facebook name onto the whole Oculus thing, you're just adding fuel to the fire. 
you know, it doesn't seem like the right time to, you know, you know rebrand themselves. Oh, this is Facebook, by the way, you know, but um, I, I, I think we should, you know, given the circumstances now with the, you know, with the pandemic and stuff like that and, you know, companies like Facebook and, you know, I've been talking about Google and stuff like that. How do you think VR can improve everyday life and how do you see VR changing our everyday lives in the next two or three years, like in the immediate future? Do you see any huge changes? Anything particular? Mm, honestly, no, not really. Any huge changes? Probably not. I think I'll probably, personally, I'll probably consider using it. I'll probably continue using it to play video games. I'll keep playing Beat Saber. And while I ever use it, you know, like, uh, not, not, maybe, probably not within five years, ten years, maybe, twenty years, probably will have some more impact, but we'll see. What do you think, too? Ah uh, no! Based on all the conversations we had today, I hope it never has an impact. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what about AR? What, what about AR? Do you think AR is a better than than VR? Yeah, yeah. I think AR is a better tool, just because like the way AR can be used on your current devices and stuff like that. I think where it's a much nicer way of doing it, but virtual reality, like completely replacing our reality or making it part of our daily, you know, routines and stuff like that. Personally, for me, I don't think it'll ever be a daily routine, but, you know, for others, it may be, right? You know, we we may in five to ten years be that old generation when you see, you know, the latest social media on an Oculus and they're all in, like, their own TikTok realms and on the virtual reality space. And we're going to be sitting over here, like, scratching our heads, like, what the hell are they doing in there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a very interesting or at least he'll be. As a society you'll be, you'll be heading, over there more thinking about what they're doing in there. I said you will be. Me and I will be in there. <laughs> I'm not. I will not be in there. You guys have fun, but remember, we got that chloroform. We got that view. <laughs> where that really is heading, like society, you know, that's a really you know deep question because like, you know, we've seen with the rise of social media, you know, I guess more people not having like the social skills, like. Yeah. that you would have seen five, ten years ago, right? 100%. And so now when you bring in this whole realm of virtual reality, I think you're going to have social skills completely dissipate and be gone, right? I see social skills being completely thrown out the window because now you have your virtual, you know, your imaginary friend as a child is now a real imaginary friend in your Oculus. So it's like... Well, let me let me count that real quick. Let me just play a little devil advocate, right? Given today's circumstances, right, with the pandemic, right, we can honestly say right now, our, a lot of people's social skills are lacking due to the lack of, you know, engagement with real people, right? You know, unfortunately, it's not the same talking through someone through a webcam, and their dimly lighted house or their barely uh, flickering webcam. You know, it's it's not the same interaction and social skills in general have been poorly practiced because of it. But VR as a tool could be used to enhance that engagement, could be used to basically keep those social shelves sharp as we stay in this whole pandemic environment for the next couple of months. And it could actually be the opposite of what you're proposing, pretty much sharpening everyone's social skills in, an, in a world where we can't do it as normally as we, we could before. Mm -hmm. So Maybe. I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I, I, I think like any technology, right? take it ar you know smartphones anything right it's a tool right and it comes down to how we as a society tend to sh turn or manipulate this tool in a way for the society or beneficial of 
of us all, right? If you go to the dystopia way where it's just an escape, then yeah, it can have drastic and negative impacts and consequences because of it. Lack of social skills, lack of perception of the real world or even connection to the real world, right? You might one might you might see a bunch of people just no longer want to come back to the real world because of the dystopian setting. But it can also be used, as I said, like a tool in a good way where it can be sharpened social skills in this environment where we can't really talk to each other or even allow training in particular ways that we couldn't offer before without the whole heavy cost. Or even, like we said, with the big one, elderly, right? Give them opportunities, experiences that they can't have because of their physical disabled or their, their homebound environment right now, you know? I think it's a tool like any other thing, any other technology. And it's up to us as engineers, especially, or even anyone to really shape this into a tool for the better society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think engineers have the right mindset in place. And maybe we'll have another podcast episode because I know we're almost on, uh, on time on this. But like, I think, you know, engineers always have the right most engineers, I'm not going to say all engineers, but most engineers usually have the mindset in place of building something that better society, mm-hmm. right? But then you always see the way things can be used, right, by people and by the consumers and how it doesn't really turn out the way you would hope, right? Like we had, there was a Microsoft a couple of years back made like this chat bot, right? That was supposed to be like a helpful tool, <laughs> yeah, right? But we all know what happened with that as it was learning from people who were commenting on it, it all of a sudden turned into a racist chat bot that called very offensive names to very offensive with, to very minority groups of people. So, so it's a very interesting point, right? It's like, I think as engineers, it'll be developed, you know, with the right intentions, but I don't know from a, human nature perspective whether those intentions will stay or go right yeah it was kind of the same concept with facebook itself right facebook was supposed to be just you connecting with your friends and finding out you know like hey is this is this girl that you that your friends with single is she not single like right it was not supposed to replace human interaction it was supposed to foster deeper human interactions when you met up or use right. a tool to like contribute to the interaction. Yeah. Exactly, but as we've seen, you know, yeah. it's no longer the case here. I do just want to bring up one extra point here, right? So I, I know you're talking about how like, oh, social media has made us like not as social, and you fear that VR would do the same. But personally, I think that VR, even if your only interactions were within virtual reality, I think that you're probably getting more real social skills in VR than you are on social media. So I think that even if everyone was communicating on VR, you're still communicating with other real people using voice. Maybe you're not technically face-to-face, but you're at least kind of face-to-face, depending on, you know, how you're communicating, right? You're communicating with your real voices. Like, I mean, I think that that's probably closer to real-life interaction than social media interactions are. That's true. And I've seen, like, a lot of YouTube videos. This particular game, I don't know if you guys heard of, called VR Chat, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretty much like a social hub for VR, right? Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people, um, like like YouTubers and, or even other people, normal people, meet a lot of interesting people through yeah. this application that they would have not met ever in their life. Veterans, um, people who are, you know, 
uh, you know, kind of stuck away from their families, interesting stories, or yep. even people with very different political views that they wouldn't met through their normal means of friends, mm -hmm. you know? And, you so, know, I, I, uh, I've also seen a whole lot of VR chat. Um, I literally just lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Um, oh, a whole yeah. lot of VR chat. Oh, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I've, seen, I've seen a whole lot of people on VR chat from those, like, same videos that Nine was talking about um, that have severe social anxiety and they use yeah. vr chat and different vr applications to kind of help them stay social or maybe kind of try to overcome their social anxiety right so exactly it's a and i know i touched on this a little bit before but i do see vr as something that could be bad for your average person but when it comes to i think it has real benefits when it comes to like helping people with either physical health conditions um, from becoming, you know, mentally depressed or people with mental health issues and kind of like social anxiety and depression from kind of overcoming those things and, and getting better. So, I mean, I think that it has some really cool applications, even in its, even, even in its current form. And I think that it's definitely, you know, something that should be used by people. I think with the current circumstances with the pandemic, as we keep mentioning, unfortunately, it's it's a it's a part of life now, mm -hmm. unfortunately, for at least a couple of months or maybe years, who knows. But I think once again, VR can be used as a tool to foster uh, pretty still good experiences through VR and still remain healthy and safe throughout this whole pandemic, like movies, concerts, hangout session with buddies, traveling. You know, these are things that you can't realistically do anymore because of the whole circumstances that we're in right now, but can still be experienced because of the VR environment. Mm -hmm. So I think to end it off, right, I think once again, like any, like I mentioned, VR is a tool. It, it, even if we have good intentions behind developing this tool for the side of society, it, it really must comes down to us, us as a society, how we shape this tool for the benefit of everyone involved. You know, we can, we can focus on great benefits like helping people with you know mental issues or physical disabilities and pretty much help them foster and and improve and overcome these over op, op, uh, challenges yeah. obstacles or you know we can go the dystopia route and trying to play the similar role of social media kind of like dimming the actual importance and beneficials of social uh, uh what's it called social relationships and yeah. just keep them to a mute point of like just having a face and not really having foster any meaningful relationships. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. I hope we don't go the dystopia route. Yeah, totally agree. But uh, no guarantees. I'm just saying to. Yep. So, you know, get that uh, VR implant ready in your brain. I'm going to get a moat. Right okay. with some yeah, we'll get that clothes for you. We'll make that Spotify account for you. Don't worry. We'll set that up right for you. We'll give you your first three months free. Don't worry about it. We got you. Oh, anyway. great. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this topic of the future in VR. I hope it wasn't too depressing for you, but you know, it was for me. We <laughs> wanted to be a little real with you. We, you know, we're always about hearing opinions and stuff like that. And you know, it's better to hear from us than face it and experience it 50 years from now. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's uh, podcast of, of the 49 podcast. And have a great requests. week, guys. Yep, have a great one, guys. Later. Catch you guys later.